Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Atme producer Tyler Felsen, recording this on a Sure VP88 in my apartment since we are limiting our studio hours due to the spread of the Omicron variant. Maps are a fundamental part of our daily lives, from GPS apps to tracking the weather to keeping up with the spread of COVID-19 around the world. So for this episode, we're going to talk about cartography and how it is deeply entwined with our lives and our history. Our guest is John Cloud, a historian of cartography currently working for the Arctic Studies Center of the Anthropology Department at the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. Much of his work involves the history of mapping Alaska. Atme producer Grady Cutchins spoke with him about the necessity of historic maps, the role of maps in pandemics, and what is lost when technological advancements change the way we interact with the world around us. Can you tell me a bit about like what kind of work and research that you do? For a good number of years, I was a contract historian to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, um, which is, uh, it's actually the oldest scientific agency in the U.S. government, because it began with the Coast Survey, and then other agencies were added into uh, this larger agency called NOAA but I was a historian of the Coast Survey, which began in 1807. So it's the oldest scientific agency in the government and did and continues to do many, many things in basically the earth sciences, um, geodesy, which is the science of where everything is uh, you know, uh, weather, uh, all kinds of things. And so I did that uh, for about 12 years or so uh, as a historian within NOAA. And then, frankly, uh, the Trump administration came along and they defunded history, didn't care about it much. Uh, so... I've been independent contracting since then, and now I'm a uh, research associate with the Smithsonian through the uh, aforementioned uh, National Museum of Natural History and the Anthropology Department and specifically the Arctic Studies Center. So that's how I've I've been dealing f- from the very beginning of my time when I was with Noah to the present. I've been dealing which with the creation of Alaska uh, out of Russian America and everything before it, and where that all went. So, like you, you mostly deal with older maps, right? Like um, older Alaskan maps. Well, everything, really. I mean, uh, you know, when I was at NOAA, I was dealing with the, you know, the the newest cartography that was being done and all the processes to do it and the, just the continual evolution in the technology of making maps 
and the purposes of maps. Uh, the, the original purpose of the Coast Survey was to produce maps and other what are called aids to navigation. So that involves everything about um, where the land is, where the water is, tides, currents, storms, you know, uh, depths, reefs, just if you're if you're navigating and this meant particularly in boats on the water along the shore along the coast then what what are the aids that can be made that will help people to navigate so they don't hit their boats on the rocks and sink literally that's what it comes down to so from the very beginning there's, you know, it, it, what the Coast Survey was doing was fundamental aids in this way to help people originally like in boats on the water. And then they were also, as it turned out, they became fundamental to the whole invention of Alaska because they were part of the whole enterprise to check out the deal of the Russian-American company, which pretended to own Alaska, and they pretended to sell Alaska to the United States government. And so that's how, that's how Alaska came apart. It came about, right? Uh, with, without any direct participation from any of the locals up there, it was, it was, in a, in a, a, a treaty between the, the Tsar of Russia and the U.S. government in 1867. With these older maps, like, what could we learn from them? Like, about, I guess, culture and society of that time? Well, you know, the whole history of the culture and society is encoded in the maps. Old maps can show not just the places of villages that no longer are populated, but they give the name of the village back when it was a village. And that's invaluable. I mean, you know, humans change over time. The climate changes. All kinds of things change. But maps can preserve very important data about the state of human affairs at a given time and place. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a major reason why maps were created in the first place. Well, actually, I take that back. The major reason that maps were, are created in the first place is to deal with very specific immediate objectives, like age and navigation or whatever. But maps over time then become enormously important historical documents because even though the current situation has changed, the old maps tell you all these things like where the old villages were and what the villages' names were that otherwise would now be forgotten completely. Uh, I, hey, what can I say? I'm a historian of cartography. I think maps are really important. <laughs>
with maps like these older maps what can go wrong when there's not when there's not accurate measurements or like there's a bit of bias when they're making the maps and like do you have any examples of a map doing wrong and doing harm if it's inaccurate i think what what you're talking about is probably like positional accuracy like if you you know imagine the the earth you know the, the the position of something on the earth relative to latitude and longitude and the relative accuracy of that um i think that's less important than the cultural historic accuracy of things that are presented on the map and there's a lot of errors i mean classically there have always been that it just you know, uh, like in, in classic times, uh, there's actually only two known examples of it. But in European maps, they'd, they'd map this and that and the other, and then there'd be the zone over there. And, the, and all it would say over there is, here there be dragons. You know, you know there, there's that level of reality that's very different from just the exact position, latitude and longitude of this dragon or that. It's just, it's the whole, map, maps encompass many, many things. And um, just positional accuracy is just one thing. I think in, in terms of historical significance, as the world changes very rapidly, place names are incredibly important as um villa you know let's face it i mean look at alaska uh vast area between at least a third of all alaskans live in anchorage and fairbanks juno and a big portion of the people who live elsewhere they're constantly coming and going to fairbanks and anchorage and so on because that's where the costcos are right i mean the the villages the a major factor of modern alaskan life is the great difficulty of sustainability in the villages a lot of the maps that the that the coast survey did or contributed to they have lots of names of individual fish camps along the rivers and those fish camps are now gone and you know one of the only tangible memories of those fish camps is the names of those fish camps on the maps so i think it's the the changing history that's presented on the maps is in many ways more fundamentally important than whether they got the exact position of the fish camp right or not the fact is they they identified a fish camp and they gave it a name and that's you know that's fundamentally important how different is it being a cartographer in alaska and for alaska than being one i guess anywhere else not very different really i mean the same processes that define alaska are going on elsewhere the 
you know, I grew, I grew up on ranches in West Texas. You know, like, you know, you look at a map and like, you know, the different towns are like inches apart. You know, it was like there was there was not a lot of people out there, and it was there was a whole lot of cows, and some coyotes and so on. But the the key thing to me was that there was this whole thing of like rural people who didn't live in cities and didn't even live in towns, but everybody was related economically, politically to the cities, which is where all the money was and so on. And what's the main thing that's going on now, you look at the whole world is that people are more and more living in larger and larger towns and cities. They're leaving the countryside and they are going into the, the towns and the cities and everything about the, the, the nature of rural life out where they came from is really eroding. And that's where, you know, even that's where the historic maps that even retain the names of the fish camps become important in a world now where nobody goes to that fish camp anymore. Nobody knows that name. So the only legacy of that as a fish camp is the fact that it's got a name with a dot on a map, in a historic map. And, uh, you know, the uh, Alaska is, you know, it's, it's like it's so much of the world now it's, that you think of Alaska as very rural, but a major port, portion of the population lives in Anchorage and Matanuska Valley and Fairbanks and Juneau, you know, I mean, Alaskans are far more urban than they like to think of themselves. You know, that's, that's the reality. And that means that all the knowledge about everything out of town is eroding. And, you know, I think, I think there's, uh, many problems with that, frankly. It's important to maintain that kind of knowledge of out of town. And that's one of the th things, that, I mean, a lot these maps, a lot of them, they weren't designed to capture the ancient knowledge of out of town, but they did capture it. And that's what makes them important now in ways that they weren't important at the times they were made. We'll be right back. Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. So if you're between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska, and interested in joining ATME, go to alaskateenmedia.org join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Grady's interview with John Cloud. How do you think the average person's relationship with maps has changed over time? Like from old paper and parchment maps to like what we have now with our virtual maps and like GPS tracking and all that. Also how the information has changed. It's no longer 
it's no longer just locations. Now you have heat maps, like uh, how the pandemic has affected it. Like now there's a lot more heat maps of like where the spread is and who's vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think that um, there's forward progress and backwards progress. I think that in terms of actual you know, point location kind of things. There are aids like GPS and GPS enabled technologies that like on your phone or whatever that um, can aid people in figuring out like where you are in terms of being a little dot on a map kind of thing. And then there are, you know, all of these permutations of what you're talking about, heat maps and so on, that um, all these things that came out of paper maps and then were digitally, digitally reinterpreted and redone in a, in, a, in a computer environment. And all of that is one thing going on. But I must say... I think that on another level, human geographic knowledge, I think, has eroded for many, many people. I'm old enough that, I mean, I know, I grew up around people, cowboys in West Texas, who didn't have a compass, didn't have a map, but knew exactly where they were and could, they could go from wherever they were to wherever they wanted to go and by the right route and so on and not the most difficult route and that involves skills that these days i think frankly are really eroding because in order to acquire these skills you have to be out on the planet perceiving it in other ways than just looking at a little dot on a little screen on your phone you don't you don't really understand geography from the little dot on the little screen and you know there's i'll 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 leave it at that it just there's there's forward progress and there's also retrograde progress that i think people can determine their position more accurately now just they pull out their phones and they can get that. But I, I think it is much more difficult for them now to perceive where they are. So like with COVID-19 being a very transmissible virus, how do like cartographers, like the ones that work on the heat maps, how do they work with epidemiologists and those kinds of professionals in order to create pandemic-related maps? Basically, there's a whole world of digital geospatial data that is amazing that people tap into. The key to much is there is this foundational geospatial configuration, you know, kind of, you can call it latitude, longitude, or whatever, but it, it exists and it's been created. And in the case of the United States, it was done in the 19th century by the Coast Survey. But now there's every day like a gazillion digits of data 
that can be produced and then overlaid and geo, you know, synchronized onto that that spatial data frame. And that's where all the heat maps come from. Is just that you know the data is produced on a continual level, but the key to much is that you can put that data down onto this geospatial configuration. And so you can get updated data day by day by day about where uh, coronavirus cases are in, you know, in every borough in Alaska on probably a daily basis, if not a, a, at least a weekly basis and so on. So that's, you know, that's the world over. That's how things go these days. And it's, it's very good. I mean, it's unparalleled to have this much geo-referenced data so rel rel readily available. On the other hand, you have this scene where as villages clear out, as it becomes really difficult financially to live out and by subsistence and so on, and people end up living in Fairbanks and Anchorage, and Juneau and Bethel and so on, that there's all of these place names that your grandmother knew that are disappearing because your grandmother died and nobody in your family lives out there anymore. So there, there's, there's a lot of trade-offs. There's tons of geospatial data more gazillions of digits more every day, but there's also a loss of geographic knowledge. And, and you know, that, again, that's where the historic maps can become critical because they are artifacts that, you know, present some of this old ancient knowledge that's disappearing rapidly. Do you think maps historically played played a role in pandemics, or do you think it's just been the recent ones like uh, COVID nineteen? I mean, an uh, an object of much historic research right now, in particular, is the cartography of the so called Spanish uh, influenza epidemic of nineteen seventeen and eighteen, which is the great predecessor of the current pandemic. And so there's a huge effort going on to dig up as much cartography of that epidemic as possible because it's the closest thing to the current pandemic. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a subject of great um, historical research right now. Initial, the initial results are it's kind of worrying because there's not near as much cartography of the 1917-1918 epidemic as one would think considering its significance. And, and then there's a lot of question about, well, why would that be? And the major idea that comes up First is the fact it was the tail end of the First World War, 
which was, you know, nothing had ever happened like this in human history, where so many people died in a war. And it was way beyond the scale of what anybody that went into the war thought was going to happen. And the aftermath of that war set up a political context, which pretty much led directly to the next great war in World War II. But there, there wasn't as much cartography from the great first great pandemic as there should have been in a certain sense, or at least nobody can find as much cartography as there should have been. Uh, they're definitely making up for it now in this current pandemic, all the heat maps. I mean, there's just maps every day on every level about it. But, you know, if you if you look into the history of Alaska, it's unclear, but the estimates are something about uh, at least a third of Native people in Alaska died in that first pandemic between 1917 and 1918. I mean, just imagine like a third of the people of Alaska just dead in two years. So, you know, see, I don't know. It seems like the pandemic seems to dominate so much right now, and rightly so, but that earlier pandemic, it's, I think people just repressed a lot of the history of it because it was so horrible. You know, so many people died. Do you think after this pandemic that the maps we've made now will help us document and remember the events that happened in order to prepare us for the next one? Well, there's clearly, there's much more documentation now of this pandemic than there was of that earlier pandemic. But as to whether or not it'll help people prepare for the future. To be frank, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think people, after something is over, people like to push it away, you know? Okay, we don't have to think about that now, you know, it's over. And uh, it's a major human, response to tragedy to sort of push it away and just go on. Okay. every All right. That's over. You know, now, now things are back to normal, but nothing is ever normal. You know, that's one thing you learn from all of this is that no, there's no normal to go back to. Everything changes. So I expect it'll be, it'll remain that way. I mean, and people will look back and they'll be, you know, there's so much that they can look to now in terms of data because there's so much more than there was. But ultimately, it comes down to data alone isn't the solution. You have to think about it and so on. It just, you have to, everybody has to live in the moment that they live in. Like, by mapping out where COVID-19 spreads, what can you tell us about how, like, the virus spreads and affects people in, like, their livelihood and how the culture has changed? Specifically, in the case of Alaska, 
if you look at patterns for, you know, where the virus has come and gone, they're going to correlate very well with airplane routes, you know, with, you know, the, the, where and how people get around Alaska because it's, you know, the, the virus is spread from people to people to people. You know, it's, it's not so much data that's important. It's acting upon data that's important. The data can be there on the maps and the patterns can be there, but unless people pick up on the patterns and act upon it, then the data doesn't do much. It's all about how people, how people use the data and how decisions are made and why they're made and so on. Do you think maps will continue to be our uh, main uh, way to help people see and help represent what's happening in the world? Or do you think it'll eventually be replaced by something else? Oh, yeah, I mean, again, that, that depends on what you call a map, but, um, no, I think I am a geographer. I think maps are fundamental to human consciousness. Uh, the form they'll take will change. To, you know, it's, it's, they've already changed quite a bit. Um, maps on the little device on the smartphone, to be frank, maybe I'm just, just because I'm an old person. I'm not really a fan of that. I like like more of a big picture view of things. But, you know, no maps are fundamental to human nature. I mean, I think they just are. Besides how um, we interact with maps every day, like you would say cartography is important because it helps preserve our history, kind of like how books do. Oh yeah, you know, cartography is totally fundamental to to me, uh, to modern, uh, you know, advanced human life. It's, I mean, it's totally vital. That's why I'm a geographer. Well, thank you for your time. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well. Good luck to everybody in terms of the pandemic and climate change. I mean, we're in a world of hurt right now and probably not going to get any better anytime soon. So, uh, you know, I've been in so many places in Alaska where it's, it's so visible. Climate change is just there it is. You know, the, the permafrost is just dropping away into these sinkholes and so much is changing in the fires and so on. So, you know, good luck to people in Alaska. We need all the luck we can get right now. That was at me producer Grady Cutchins speaking with John Cloud, a historian of cartography. You've been listening to Podcast in Place from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost with additional music from Kendrick Whiteman. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org, where we have included resources for youth in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. 
Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including United Way of Anchorage for the Healthy Communities Funding Program. The opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United Way of Anchorage or the Municipality of Anchorage, Anchorage Health Department. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Tyler Felson. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.